1: This is the Dan Grossa Show on 98.7 ESPN.
2: Happy Wednesday, everybody. It is the 18th day of October 2023. Dan Grossa Show, we are back. We are live and in living color right here. Where else? But 98.7 ESPN. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We're taking it for 60 minutes tonight. That's right, double the fun that we had last night. One hour, right up until 7.30. Then we got you game number three of the American League Championship Series. It stays in the state of Texas, but it just drives down the road a little bit. This time it goes to Arlington as the Astros try to get back into the series. They trail the Rangers 2-0 2 nothing in the best of seven. We'll have something to say about that a little bit later on. And certainly looks like whoever's coming out of that American League series, they're going to be meeting the Phils in the fall classic because I don't care where the games are. Philadelphia, Arizona, I mean, the Phillies look like a machine. I mean, they may be the team to beat right now out of the four that are still standing all together. But we'll talk a little baseball before we say goodbye. But we got Harvey, we got Joe, and you can get me on Twitter at Dan at G-R-A-C-A. But football's the name of the game, at least in this city. And at this present time, even though the Jets have themselves a bye week, they made some news earlier today, in case you're just joining us and reconnecting with the world. The Jets traded McCole Hardman back to the Kansas City Chiefs. And McCole Hardman was, you know, he was kind of like collecting dust, right? I mean, the Jets really could not find a role for him this season. And, you know, instead of letting it go to waste and instead of, Doubling down on maybe what was a mistake in free agency. They decided to send him back to the place he came from. They swapped draft choices in 2025. Jets are still going to have to pay a little bit of money. It cost them something. But nevertheless, Hardman back to the Chiefs. And a lot of that has to do with the emergence of Xavier Gibson, among other reasons. We'll talk about all those things as we move forward here. But we want to start with the Giants, though, tonight. Because, well, Giants are playing a game this week, at least, right? Jets are on the bye. And I know that moral victories don't necessarily count for a lot. And we hit on this a little bit last night in the brief time that you and I had together. But there were encouraging signs you took from that game against the Buffalo Bills, even though you came up short, even though they failed at the end of the first half t- to manage the clock properly. Then you had the situation at the end of the game where they had multiple cracks to try to put the ball in the end zone, couldn't do it, officiating, whatever you want to say. But as under man, as depleted, as banged up as that giant team was when they went up to Orchard Park on Sunday, and the fact that you know they were in control of that game, pretty much throughout, and had a chance to get a yard to win the game on the final play, that has to give you a little bit of confidence moving forward in the coaching staff led by Brian Dable. Right? Because even before this game kicked off, I mean, we were sitting here doing shows and there were a lot of people discussing the possibility that maybe, just maybe, maybe he isn't the right term, long-term answer for the New York Giants being Brian Dayball as the head coach, right? Maybe they have to be on the lookout for yet another head coach, which I think would have been foolish, and we talked about that last week, but that was a coaching clinic that the Giants put on up in Buffalo on Sunday night. Even though they didn't win the game, but think about what they went into that fight with versus what the Buffalo Bills went into that fight with, and the Giants nearly pulled off the game. Okay, that's got to give you a little bit of faith in this coaching staff and specifically the head coach moving forward. All right, it's not going to be pretty every single week. And yes, you would have liked to have won the game. And normally you don't sit here when you take bows for just coming up short and for just playing hard. But in this case, I do think you take something from that. Now what do you do for an encore? Right? If you're the New York Giants, what do you do now that you're back home for a couple of weeks? Now look, I don't sit here and pretend to tell you, and I'm not going to, that this giant team can still make something this season. I mean, at one at five, where are you going? Right. You are more in contention for the number one overall pick in the draft than you are even a playoff spot. If you want to look at it realistically for this football team, as far as 2023 is concerned. All right. And that's how I think you have to look at it right now. But you could still have a little bit of pride. You could still go out there and maybe collect a few wins along the way. And just to show that. This team is still playing hard for the head coach. The head coach is still going to come up with a game plan that's going to give his undermanned squad a chance to be successful week in and week out. That's all you can ask for. And starting this week against Washington in your building, you know what, this is one of those games that you might be able to walk off the field victorious. Why not? But we got to see what the injury report looks like. I mean, number one, I think that's going to be the most important factor. Now, it doesn't sound like Daniel Jones is going to be playing this week. And he met the media earlier today out in uh, East Rutherford after practice. And, look, he says all the right things. I get it. But this was Daniel Jones earlier today talking about how things could shape up here for this weekend.
3: Yeah, I mean, I obviously want to be out there extremely badly and want to be there for the team and, and be on the field. Yeah, I certainly feel that way. But doing everything I can to, to get back out there and everything I can to help.
2: Daniel Jones was limited at practice today, okay? He was cleared to throw, which is great. It's a step in the right direction. But there's a difference between being cleared to throw versus being cleared for contact. And in case you missed it, football is still a contact sport, even though you won't know it sometimes by the way you watch some of these games and now they're officiated on Sundays. But nevertheless, you got to be cleared for contact before you can actually think about going out there and being an every-down week-in, week-out leader of this offense. And that's what's got to be the scary thing about it. You know, Daniel Jones went on that Up and Adams show, and he said, there's still some symptoms I'm dealing with when it comes to this injury. Didn't want to get into it too specifically, and they're going to be tight-lipped about it here, but that's not a good sign. And the neck is not an injury that you necessarily fool around with. You're going to exercise extreme caution when it comes to that. Now, Dayball said earlier today that he expects – Daniel Jones to not be done for the season, that he will indeed play football again this year, which is great. Because if this season continues down the tracks, the way that it's been going the first six weeks, that would be a doomsday scenario for the New York Giants. Because if you want to rewind back to the summer, right? What do we say about this Giant team? What would be an acceptable season? Even if you miss the playoffs. All right. You win maybe six, seven games. But the quarterback plays well. The quarterback continues on the path building off of the momentum that he showed you last year when he helped this team get to the playoffs, helped them win a playoff game, right? That would be okay because it would give you a little bit of, you know, assurance that we got our guy. You know, this is the right guy. The guy that we invested in, you know, he is the one that could possibly lead us to greater heights. But could you imagine if the Giants miss the playoffs this year? Underperform even to the extent that we thought that maybe they were capable of doing. And oh, by the way, the quarterback misses the majority of the season because of injury? Then what do you do? Well, I'll tell you exactly what you do, but it's not the way they map the whole thing out. I would think that if I'm the one running the franchise, and I have... I'll be conservative. Top six, seven pick in the draft... And I still don't know about my quarterback? And I could get out of that contract after next year anyways? I'm taking a quarterback in the first round this year, which is supposed to be a QB-rich draft. Because I know that I may not have my guy now, and I have to at least give myself a little bit of a contingency plan. No offense to Tyrod Taylor and Tommy DeVito, but you know what? There's a better chance of Danny DeVito being the opening day quarterback for the Giants in 2025 than anybody else on this roster right now. So I think that you probably have to look with one eye towards the future. And maybe that isn't such a bad thing for this team, especially if you are in the camp that isn't a Daniel Jones backer to begin with. If you're one of these Giant fans that thinks that, okay, he's nothing more than a placeholder, and despite the success that you had last year, that he still isn't the guy that you want to go all in on for the next 10 years, you know what? You're well within your rights. And I think that the Giants certainly found themselves in that camp after last year, because if they were so gung-ho... And so convinced that Jones was the guy that I don't think that that negotiation would have been as contentious as it was. And Daniel Jones wouldn't have had to fire agents during the whole thing. And get a new representation. Because it should have been easy. And the Giants wouldn't have structured the deal to where they could get out of it after a couple of seasons. So, I know that it seems like it's kind of a revolving door here. And it's like here, whether it's a new coach, whether it's a new quarterback, it just seems like there's always something that is holding this team back from building sustainable success, right? They finally hit lightning in a bottle last year. But what do you do for an encore? You have a season like this where nothing seems like it's going your way. And look, I don't want to pin this all on the quarterback. I'm trying to be fair about it. But anybody who knows anything about football, and looks at this mass unit of an offensive line, which the Giants have had to trot out there for large chunks this season, I don't know how you could sit there and say that it's the quarterback's fault that the offense isn't operating, that this offense has not scored a touchdown in three games. And if the quarterback is going to underperform, you're going to say, oh, it's all him, he's just not good. Well, he's not getting any help either. You know, I, I, I keep coming back to those words from John Mara, which were only a year ago. When talking about Daniel Jones, he said that we've done everything we could to screw this kid up. And maybe unintentionally this year and maybe inadvertently, it's happening again. But you can't control injuries, can you? When your whole offensive line completely crumbles, I don't know how that's the quarterback's fault. I don't know how that's the organization's fault. Injuries happen. Football, right? Especially in the trenches. It's a contact sport. Here's also a little bit more from Daniel Jones saying that he has to follow doctor's orders and if he's worrying at all about possibly suffering a re-injury of the situation. Let's fire that one again. Do we have the Daniel Jones one following doctor's orders? I'm
3: close. You know, I just got to keep doing what I'm doing and and trust the doctors and trainers what they're telling me to do and keep going about it.
2: Daniel, is there a concern that if you're hit a certain way that it could bring all of this back again?
3: Yeah, just the contact piece of it. Yeah, I think that's that's the concern.
2: Well, I, I mean, duh. You know, you don't have to go to Harvard Medical to figure that one out. I know that. You know that. God forbid he takes the wrong hit the wrong way. Forget about not seeing him the rest of the year. You don't know if his career is going to be compromised in any way. And that's the crappy part about this, right? It's not an ankle. It's not a knee. It's not a shoulder. It's not an elbow. It's a freaking neck. And that's a scary and dangerous for quality of life compared to any of those other things when you're talking about being a quarterback and a football player. And you're going to have the ball in your hands each and every snap, and you know the guys are going to be coming after you. So throw that log on top of the fire now if you're the Giants. You got a quarterback who you still may not be convinced is the long-term answer. Now you got a guy who has a reoccurrence of a neck injury, even though it's slightly different, from the one that plagued them a couple of years ago, but the neck is the neck is the neck is the neck, right? Same thing. How can you sit there and say, yeah, we're all in on this guy for the next five, six, seven years, knowing that you have that? And maybe he's more susceptible to these type of injuries than any other quarterback might be, just because he's had a couple of them already. Not a good place to be in. It isn't. And that's why I'm more convinced than ever If things continue to trend in this direction for the New York football Giants for the rest of the year, you best believe they're going to be in the quarterback market come round one of the NFL draft next year. You have to be. 800-919-3776. And, oh, by the way, the offensive line, if you're thinking that that's going to be fortified in any way for the game against Washington this week, well, let's see. Andrew Thomas, Evan Neal, John Michael Schmitz, Matt Pert all didn't practice today. No practice. So our buddy Justin Pugh was finally signed to the active roster, and they're going to have to count on him probably a heck of a lot more than you ever dreamed the Giants would be doing just a few weeks ago when he wasn't even on the team, when he was sitting there literally on his couch. And this guy last week was starting at left guard for you, had to shift over and play left tackle because of the injury. Hell, he might be your left tackle on Sunday. It doesn't sound like Thomas is ready to go yet. Maybe he'll be ready for the Jet game the following week. It's tough to evaluate your quarterback. It's tough to evaluate your offense if the foundation is going to be fractured like this offensive line is and pretty much has been. But you know what the other problem is? Even when you had the five guys that you thought were going to start the season way back in week one, it wasn't that good either then either. So what do you do? I know you don't want to narrow everything down to just one game because teams need a little bit of time to get going in an NFL season. Right, It just doesn't click like that, especially nowadays where nobody plays in the preseason. September is like glorified preseason. So you haven't even been able to get a fair and honest evaluation of this offensive line. You got it for a couple of games, and then it all just fell apart on you. And now it's just been like piece by piece by piece, square peg into round hole, just trying to fit pieces in there so you could go out there and get through a 60-minute game. Not what you want to have happen six weeks into a season. 800-919-3776. Your calls when we return. We'll also get it to the Jets as well as they send McCall Hardman back to the place where he was a two-time Super Bowl champ in Kansas City. Why didn't it work out from here? Why didn't it work for him? And what are the Jets going to do to pick up the pieces?
1: legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Talking some football here, did some Giants and Jets earlier
2: today, sent Michael Hardman packing back to the Kansas City Chiefs. The team swapped late-round picks in 2025. And, you know, Hardman was asked a couple of weeks ago, in the locker room about, you know, would he welcome a trade? And, you know, to his credit, he wasn't divisive or anything like that. And, look, I think that we're all kind of expecting more from him and more from his role with the team this year. And I'm sure that he was no different, and that's why the Jets gave him $4 million to come in here. But, you know, it just didn't work. And there were a couple of factors at play. Number one, I think that certainly the emergence of Xavier Gibson and the role that he played on this team here in the first six weeks of the season and ways to get him more touches with the football and that speed element that he brings to the team is, I think, something they wanted to utilize. And, you know, the thing about Hardman is also, unlike Xavier Gibson, he also doesn't contribute on special teams and didn't contribute on teams. I mean, I think they tried, you know, going back to even the offseason. It just didn't work out. For whatever reason, he couldn't find a niche on special teams which then made him somewhat expendable even in the base offense and he was even a healthy scratch in one of these games right if you're not going to play special teams you're wide receiver you're a little bit further down there on the totem pole sometimes your roster spot isn't guaranteed on Sunday and of course Aaron Rodgers going down didn't help matters either because I think that when he agreed to sign on and when the Jets decided to bring him on here it was with full intention that Rodgers was going to be the quarterback and maybe they were going to be able to feature some elements of the playbook that would have had Hardman involved that now weren't going to be featured as much because you had a different quarterback in there and you had to play more to Zach Wilson's strengths and all those other things but look we'll see what happens you know grass isn't always greener on the other side you know I even was reading something today and, and, and seeing stuff like you could also make the comparison that now this is the second year in a row where, you know, the Jets had to move on from a wide receiver, a talented, speedy wide receiver, because it just didn't work out here. And it was Elijah Moore in the off seasons where his role was kind of eliminated, right, during the season. And, you know, he couldn't get on the field and couldn't get touches. And, you know, things kind of blew over there a little bit when made it public. But, you know, Elijah Moore hasn't exactly set the world on fire with the Cleveland Browns either. He's got 21 catches for 167 yards and no touchdowns so far this year in, what, five games? Have they had the bye yet, Cleveland? Let me see. Yeah, they have the bye. Five games. Think about that. That's not that great. You know, people just want to say, oh, get him out of here. Get him away from this system. Get him away from Zach Wilson. You're going to start to see Elijah Moore blossom. Well, he hasn't blossomed yet. You know, when is that happening? It was like the same thing we heard about Le'Veon Bell when Le'Veon Bell fell out of favor here. And they got him out of there. And he even signed with the Kansas City Chiefs, remember? Oh, get him to Kansas City. You're going to see a coach and a staff that knows how to get the most out of Le'Veon Bell. You're going to see the guy who was a Pittsburgh Steeler All-Pro once again. Well, when did that happen, right? So you can't just blame the organization. You can't just blame the system, the coaching staff. Sometimes, you know what, the players got to look in the mirror too, and maybe it's a little bit on them. You think that these guys have an agenda? I mean, you think that these teams in a certain way are going to sit there and try to you know stick it to certain players and not play them just to settle a score and to win some sort of a PR battle. They're going to play the guys that give them the best chance to be successful and to win. And so maybe if guys aren't on the field and getting reps and getting snaps, maybe it's for a good reason. So it'll be interesting to see what Hardman does with the Kansas City Chiefs. Yes, there's familiarity there because he spent all those years prior in his career. But... I don't know if we're going to see an all-pro. Let's put it that way. And Kansas City is a little bit needy at the wide receiver position, but they got a lot of young guys and guys that have made plays and kept this offense afloat so far here throughout the season. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Let's go to the phones. Let's get some phone calls out of the way. We'll start with Tony in Connecticut. Going to be first up here on 987 ESPN. Tony, how are you? Dan, how are you doing? Excellent. Tone. what's going on?
6: Um, excellent too. It's always good to have a bye week and coming off a great win like that with the Jets. Um, I just wanted to make a couple of points, Dan. Um, they're not, no one's really talking about the great job that the special teams has done for the Jets. And, you know, Brant Boyer has been there for eight years. Uh, he was retained by this coaching staff. He reminds me a lot of Mike Westhoff, but you know, he, he, he clamored for, um, Urban Charles to play. The guy is a beast on special teams. Zerline is hitting every single kick and with a great defense and, you know, the inability to score in the red zone. That's key. I mean, he misses one of those kicks. That's a whole different ball game there. Uh, So I just think the special teams is playing great Um, in terms of the red zone. You know, I was thinking, you know, they did trade McCall Hardman. I do think we need to get faster and bigger in the red zone. I mean, we're not the only team struggling in the red zone. It's hard to score down there. Right. And you know, you saying that Gibson, involving Gibson, he's a speedy wide receiver, you know, maybe on a little end around down there he can get open instead of Cobb. I mean, Cobb hasn't done much for us this year. And I know he's uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers' buddy, but you know, we got to do what's best for the team. And maybe Irvin Charles, who's playing his tail off on special teams, he's a big tall receiver. You know, he, he played at Penn State. He's got big school experience, so I I don't think he's gonna be afraid of the limelight. And then the last point I wanna make, um, it's just you know we're still getting the calls with the complaints about Josh Allen. I think the Jet fans need to remember the kid's still growing. You know I'm a big supporter of his. Let's Josh see Allen
2: back. What do you mean Josh Allen?
6: Uh, no, I'm sorry. Um, I'm uh, Wilson. <laughs> Wilson. Oh, okay. Zach Wilson. I got Zach Allen, <laughs> Josh Allen in my head because I was about to say well, it was, I was like, like I don't remember getting a lot of Josh Allen calls yeah, on yeah, this no, show. Listen, that's what... <laughs> no, I mean people aren't complaining about him. But on that note, you know Zach has outplayed Josh. I'm not saying he's better than these quarterbacks. But he's outplayed Josh Allen. He outplayed Patrick Mahomes. He certainly outplayed Russell Wilson. He's not saying a lot right now. And he outplayed Jalen Hurts. So, you know, he's looking better every week. We're not the only team that struggles in the red zone. I don't think that's all of Zach. You know, the one thing is he's getting sacked now, and it's not because he's holding the football too long like it was in the beginning of the season. He's getting rid of the ball quickly. Some of these sacks, I mean, he turns around, he's getting annihilated. Um and then last point, I wanted to get your opinion, Dan. I think Sirianni made a mistake by letting the Jets score there. I mean, they hadn't scored in the red zone all game. Try and stop them, and then you leave yourself 50 seconds to kick a winning field goal. I just didn't understand that. I wanted to get your thoughts on that.
2: Yeah, I, I, I think that – and, Tone, thanks for the phone call. Look, Nick Sirianni is a confident coach. He believes in his team. Why shouldn't he? I, I think that any coach in that situation would probably want the time as opposed to what you need to move the football. Because Philadelphia, you know, for their part, they moved the ball up and down the field. They just turned it over at inopportune times. Remember, they had that whole first drive that went, what, 19 plays or whatever it was, and they went all the way down the field and scored. So I think that they were confident in their abilities. As far as the red zone stuff goes, they got to get that thing straightened out. And I'm sure that the coaches are going to use some time here during the bye week to be able to do a little, they like to call it self-scouting, And try to get that problem fixed. Because you're not going to win too many games that way. You're not. You know, you were able to beat the Denver Broncos. You were able to beat the Philadelphia Eagles. And, you know, the Eagle game largely because of the defense. You're not going to beat good teams consistently throughout the season kicking field goals. You're just not. Right? Even the 85 Bears. The great 85 Bears have to score points. Touchdowns. Get the ball in the end zone. So, that can't continue. Those are the two areas on the offense right now. Third downs and in the red zone that they have to be better at. They have to. And they got to start a little bit faster, too. They can't keep digging themselves these holes. Like, the Jets have been outscored considerably in the first quarter. I know that the defense makes their adjustments, and they're able to, you know, bottle things up the rest of the way, but the offense has to come out a little stronger because you can't keep leaving it up to the second half. So, essentially, if you don't have an explosive offense to begin with, and you're essentially relying on half of the game To be able to get your allotment of points, you're doing yourself a disservice. And I'm sure they know that, and they would like to fix that as soon as they get back out on the field a week from Sunday against the football giants.
5: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it?
1: On 98.7 ESPN. Keep you company right up until
2: game number three coverage of the ALCS between the Texas Rangers and the Houston Astros. Max Scherzer back on the hill getting a start tonight for Texas, who tries to take a commanding three love lead in the best of seven. Astros will see if they could counter with Christian Javier, who's actually spun the ball pretty darn good here of late in the postseason. 16 and a third scoreless in the month of October for Mr. Javier. And I think the Astros are actually going to respond tonight, as a matter of fact, and get back into this series. There you go. Lock it in. Why the hell not lock it in? Astros have been a good road team this year, 51-30. They've won two road games already in this postseason. And they're the champs. What's my old saying? They're the champs until they're not. Until they're not. So they're not going to go away quietly. And, you know, I, I I just don't know what to get from Scherzer. Guy hasn't pitched in a while. And I'm sure he's going to be all lamped up. This could be an opportunity for Houston's lineup to really get going here and to maybe tee off on Max Scherzer, we'll see what happens here in a little while. But we're talking football. Let's get back to the phones at eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Let's say hi to Ira in Staten Island. He's up next here on 98.7. Hello, Ira. How are you?
7: Hey, good evening, Dan. How are you? Excellent. You know, before I get to Hard before I get to Hardman, you know, uh, it's interesting. The for, forgotten man here is Morstead. He's been so valuable for this team. I mean, his punting has been just excellent this year, and we've really you know we're not giving the ball at midfield to most of these teams, and I think he's been a big part of it. But he's been you know, it's, you look at you you look at this team and the blueprint when they went into training camp. There were so many missing pieces now between Rodgers and the offensive line, and now Hardman's gone and Corey Davis. And you, you take all of that away, and if anybody would ever told me they'd be three and three, I tell them they're crazy. But you know what? People step up, and that's why you have depth. And it's going to be interesting to see how these other players develop as the season goes on. And you know what? With Hardman, I don't think it's anything against him or not being able to fit him in. I just think they have specific stuff with him to use with Rodgers. And whatever they're going to do with Zach Wilson up until now and going forward, I I, I just think they could use Gibson instead. Probably not the same type of role. But I I think Hardman just – they move the money, they save a couple of dollars, and there's no reason for him to sit on a bench. It just doesn't make sense.
2: Yeah, I, I I agree with you, Ira, and thanks a lot for the phone call. It's so funny, too, that you mentioned that name out of the three you know, you rattled off a few names there. And one of them is Corey Davis. A buddy of mine texted me a little while ago and mentioned Corey Davis' name. Because remember when Corey Davis retired at the end of training camp, it was just kinda all right. You know, and he put out a statement, but he never spoke. We don't know what he's going through and you know, if he ever intends to maybe get back in the game or, or whatnot. Because we've seen guys change their mind. And he's still young enough to where he can. Remember, he was supposed to be a part of this team. Think about Corey Davis and his height and his size. Think about what type of a weapon that would be in the red zone for this football team. Even if you wanted to throw one of these, like, you know, fade routes in the corner, which I hate, by the way. I absolutely hate them. If I was a coach, I would rip the pages out of the playbook. They would not even exist in my playbook. But, hey, you're tall. Go up and get it. Win a jump ball in the end zone. Something like that. You know, size, physical receiver. wonder if they happen been in contact with Corey. Hey, Corey, you you missing football at all? Did you watch our game? You think maybe you want to play a little bit? That's the type of guy that would come in handy, believe it or not. Let's say hi to Tommy in Connecticut up next here on 98.7. Tom, how you doing?
3: Daniel, what's up, buddy?
2: Thomas, what's up, baby? How's things?
3: We're doing all right. We're doing all right. Just wanted to, first of all, I mean, how annoying is it to watch the Philadelphia Phillies fans just be themselves? It's it's disgusting.
2: I'll tell you what, though. You know what? They're a damn good team. I, if I had my druthers, though, seriously, like in terms of when if you want to get on a fan base. Here's the thing about the Philly fan base, though. They're passionate. They're into it. I don't think they're obnoxious. I actually think the Brave fans are more obnoxious than the Philly fans.
3: Well, I mean, and, and nobody holds a candle to the Eagle fans. So, I mean, I think we can agree on that.
2: I don't look. I don't mind what I'm seeing from Philadelphia. That is a a fired up atmosphere. They don't sit down the entire game, and they're into it. That is an unbelievable home field advantage they got going right now. No, that's why any team that's going to go in there in, in the rest of this postseason, good luck trying to win a game there.
3: I I know, I know, I know, but. uh I, what I really wanted to ask you was, of all the former New York players that have you know, changed locations in the last year, who's the most frustrating? I'll give well, you Jordan, Jordan Montgomery, yeah. Max mm-hmm. Scherzer, Jordan Ber, uh, Justin Verlander, and Aroldis Chapman.
2: I don't I, I, honestly, you know me, I don't lose sleep over anything here. But here's what I'll say, Tom. Out of those names, I'd probably say Verlander right? Because, look, Verlander got his money, signed a big old contract with the Mets, and he was only here for a few months. And the Mets had a disastrous season, and in a way, Verlander kind of got bailed out by going back to Houston. You know, at least Scherzer, say, say what you want about Scherzer. Scherzer was at least here last year, and when he did pitch for the Mets last season, he was actually pretty good, right? And he Was here a whole season, was part of a team that won 101 games. I know he didn't perform that well in the big games that they needed him to. But, you know, he kind of put in his time a little bit longer than Verlander. Like, Verlander, remember, this year he started the season on the I.L., didn't pitch until, like, May, and then he was out of here in a couple of months. It's like, okay, we just traded you. You went from fourth place to first place. Getting a free pass. And Montgomery, again, I don't want to keep tooting my own horn, patting myself on the back. But where are all the Yankee fans that fought with me, whether it was on the air, off the air, over the last couple of years about that Montgomery-Bader trade and how the Yankees did the right thing? You still think they did the right thing? you still telling me right now that the Yankees would have been better off with Harrison Bader than Jordan Montgomery? I don't care what Bader did in that postseason. Where is he now? He didn't even finish out the season with the team. Whereas Montgomery is a guy that you certainly could have used. He's proven to be a big game pitcher. Yankees didn't even think he was good enough to start in the postseason, remember? And that's why they, they made him so-called expendable. Then they go out there and they throw a bunch of money at a left-handed pitcher in free agency last year. And how did Carlos Rodon work out last season? How'd that one go? I still think he's trying to get some... Carlos Rodon right now, as a matter of fact, he's standing on the mound in Kansas City still at Kauffman Stadium trying to get a hitter out. He's pitching a Bat Boy's. Season's over with already. I think they even still have, like, the tarp on the field, but they left the mound uncovered, and he's still trying to see if he can get somebody out in Kansas City. I think, like, they they gave, they opened the gates for fans to come in, and they put a bat in their hand. He'll get one of them out, I promise you. One of them. Paying him enough. Let's say uh, hi to Larry in Brooklyn. He's up next, 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> Larry, how are you? Good. How you doing there? Good, Larry. What's up? Uh, I wanted to talk about
3: Wilson. I yep. think you should give a lot of credit to to the uh, uh, Rogers and Hackett and Peyton. Looks like a a dummy for talking about what he was talking about. But I, I got to blame the staff. Last year we got the same guy. He Got an arm. Got legs. He didn't perform last year. But now they give him a playbook. Now they give him plays and look at him go. You got to really say a lot about. I'm gonna I'm gonna hang up and see your opinion. But I think the personnel they got that Douglas put together is just fantastic. And we got a kid here. We got to develop him. I don't know, Rogers, come back. We got to sit him down again. But Rogers, what a difference he's making on this kid.
2: Well, I mean, Larry, we Larry look. look it, thanks.
3: Well, for the thanks game, for the, the playbook. Yeah, yeah Larry. Now, look he,
2: here's the thing. Here's the thing. And I thank you for the phone call. I think Rogers is getting a little too much credit for the Zach Wilson thing. Even Aaron said that yesterday on the the McAfee show. I think it was yesterday when he's. You know, it's like he it, maybe stop throwing as many bouquets in his direction. How about sometimes, you know what? Give some credit to the player himself. And it, and I said it on the show last week. I can't remember if it was Thursday, Friday, w- one of those days. But if you were listening, I, I mentioned that just talking to Zach in the locker room, and I don't claim to know him that well. You know, we've only had a few conversations. Remember, his, like, whole first year as a rookie, um, I didn't really have a lot of interaction with him. And then like the Omicron stuff hit later in the season. So like the media was like out of the locker rooms again and everything was virtual and it was zoom. So I didn't really get a chance to know him that much as a rookie. Then last year he was kind of like invisible part of the season when he wasn't playing and out of sight, out of mind. And then even this year, like going into the year training camp, like he wasn't even the guy, right? It was Rogers, Rogers, Rogers. So I don't really have like a super close relationship with Zach like I do a lot of the other guys on that team, but just in the conversations that I've had with him this year, like he seems different. He seems more confident. He seems more sure of himself. He seems more confident in his status in that room, if that makes any sense. You know, where he's like taking on that leadership role. Now, I don't know if that's what coaching drilled into him. I don't know if that's and Aaron Rodgers' influence, or maybe it's just a kid who's now in his third year. His third year in the league, and he's growing. And admittedly, he had a rough go of it last year, both on the field and off the field, and maybe he had to do some growing to where you're now seeing that reflected in the room. And and as I said last week when I made those comments, I don't know if that's going to have any sort of impact in the game this week against Philadelphia, or, you know, which was now last week. But they won the game. And I think he played okay. He stayed away from the critical mistake. And say what you want about Zach Wilson. I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is, is making it back this year. I mean, we know that that's his goal. And maybe that's the goal of the organization. You heard Robert Sala not exactly shying away from it. But whether he plays or not, can you imagine if we get to, let's say, December and the Jets... winning football team and we're even maybe having the conversation that this could be a situation that Aaron Rodgers finds himself in maybe taking over the reins for this club once again while Zach Wilson was the one who was piloting this ship all season long don't you think he deserves a hell of a lot of credit for that and what were the odds of that at the beginning of the season right before four plays happened against the Buffalo Bills what would be the odds of Zach Wilson leading the Jets to the playoffs, potentially, in 2023. And if that happens, give credit to the kid, right? And I'm not going to get into, like, what his future is with the organization. Nobody knows that. Worry about the here and now. But nobody would have gave that a snowball's chance, and you know where, of even happening. Let's say, during the month of August. 800 919 3776 We'll close it out with you on the phones, and it's game three between the Rangers and the Astros coming up at 730 right here on 987 ESPN. He's pitching a bat
1: boys. This is the Dan Grosser show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>
2: Speaking of guys that I know kind of uh, kind of okay. How about this? I just saw it pop up. I guess this was, you know, from earlier today, but I'm just seeing it now for the first time. How about Blake Cashman? Name the AFC Defensive Player of the Week. Some of you might be saying, who the hell is Blake Cashman? Blake Cashman was a guy who was a Jet for the last um, – well, he was on Texas uh, – Houston last year. But before that, he was drafted by McCagnan back – I think it was in 2019, and, and he's a dude – He's a hard worker, but he just could not shake the injury bug. And the dude was like a workout freak. Like, he was in fantastic shape, built like a house. He just couldn't stay healthy. And he was banged up a lot in college, had surgeries and everything when he was in Minnesota. And that's why a lot of people were scratching their heads when the Jets drafted him where they did, thinking, "Mm, you know, can the guy shake the injury bug in the NFL? So I'm just happy for the person that he's landed on his feet in Houston and now is playing at a – you know, high enough level, and his body is allowing him to play at a level to where he's named AFC Defensive Player of the Week. So good for uh, for Blake. Good things uh, happening to some good folks here. Let's go back to the phones, 800 Let us say hi to Griffin in Connecticut, who is up here on 9870 ESPN. Hello, Griff. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Dan? Griff, I'm doing outstanding. What's on your plate for tonight?
0: I just figured to give you a call and talk to you because you've been – Having short days because of all the baseball and the um, hockey and stuff, and I was free, so I decided, hey, I'll give him a call. Then we see that we're like Griff, week. we're like
2: two ships, we're like two ships passing in the night. By the way, that reminds me, I'm glad you said something. Just want to remind everybody, tomorrow no show for us because we have Rangers, so yeah! no grass tomorrow. Uh, you get Don there, uh, so we'll be back Friday though at six thirty. So a little football Friday action. So nothing tomorrow, but back on Friday. Continue, please, Griff.
0: Don does a fantastic job. Oh, he's outstanding. I'm not a Ranger fan. I'm a Capital fan. But I listen to him once in a while because I just, I can't get enough of listening to Don. Tweet that! Tweet
2: that! There you go. And we are going to tweet that, as a matter of fact.
0: (laughs) How are you doing, Dan? Griff, I'm doing good. I was rooting for the uh, Jets late in that game. I have have like three Eagles on my fantasy team, A.J. Brown, DeAndre Swift, and Dallas got her, but they were doing great, and I got a lot of points from them. I already won. I knew I was going to win the week, so I'm like, you know what? Let's hope the Jets pull out this victory here for Dan and stuff.
2: Look at See that, Griff? You're a good guy. That's like a little charity coming I'm from like, Griff's heart like, on Sunday. i you know what?
0: I don't mind if the Jets pull out this victory. I'm not an Eagle fan. I got enough points from the Eagles players. If the Eagles lose this game, whoopie-doo.
2: There you go. Brown had a big game. Swift found the end zone. Goddard had a few catches. But you know what? It still didn't add up to a victory for their team because the quarterback was generous throwing picks to the other team. And that's what happened. So, Griff, I'm glad you maybe willed the team to victory. It was a joyous atmosphere on Sunday in the postgame show. And uh, hopefully there's a few more of those the rest of the way. It makes our job a lot more fun.
0: I, I I, think I think they have what it really takes to make the playoffs, especially now that the schedule uh, softens up a little bit. I'm not, no, No team is... Easy in the NFL because we have seen this weekend right. that anything can happen. I don't think any of us thought P.J. Walker would beat nope. the 49ers, and he did. Or the Giants almost beating the Bills like they did. Real or
2: quick, Riff, because i got to run. Real Bills, quick. So. What's, your, what's your gut tell me, or what's your gut tell you about the game tomorrow night with
0: your Saints against the Jaguars? I don't know. I'm just frustrated about the offense. Just can't find It's just the same with digits. Can't find ways into the red zone. But I feel good maybe these four games coming up, all four of these teams don't have really good defense, so maybe it can get this offense going because they just need the offense to just get going because they know the defense can do it. Yeah.
2: Carr and the, Carr and the OC are going at it there on the sidelines. And, Griff, thanks for the phone call. Trevor Lawrence you know may what? not play tomorrow either for the Jaguars, so that'll certainly play into the Saints' hands. Corey is in Edison. He is up next here on ninety-eight-seven. Corey, how are you? Hey, Dan. Thanks for taking the call. What's up, Cor? uh, I mean, you know, as a Jet fan,
0: I I, I think J.D. is a great GM. Forget good. I think he's, you know, one of the best things to happen in this organization in a long time. But, um, you know, I think he gets the credit for being a great GM um, for some of the big moves that he's made, like drafting Sauce, drafting Garrett Wilson. But when you really
2: look at this roster, it's the moves like J.F.M., Quincy Williams, Michael Carter, um, you know, Bryce Huff, you know, these guys are undrafted free agents, waiver wire guys, mid-round picks that have turned into, you know, way above average starters
0: in the NFL, and some of them are almost Pro Bowl level players. And, you know, that's a sign of a great GM to me. And, I, you know, I just, I, I hope he gets an extension soon, to be honest. All right, Cor- you
2: so. uh, that's, you know what, Corey, I thank you for the phone call. Like you said, anybody could sit there and, you know, pick the number one choice in the draft and so on and so forth. How do you discover talent? Right, And you named a couple of them there. JFM, waiver wire pickup from the Rams. Once upon a time, Quincy Williams, waiver wire from the Jaguars. Uh, Bryce Huff, an undrafted free agent. Joe D and his staff, they do a tremendous job. And they found some of these diamonds in the rough. And, you know, Bryce Huff is going to be a guy. Maybe we're not having this conversation now on October the 18th. But pretty soon, pretty soon on these shows, we're going to be talking about, hey, you better put a contract in front of Bryce Huff and have him sign it and give him a raise because he's a free agent at the end of the year, and that is a guy they can ill afford to lose. Let's face it. Artie's in Brooklyn. He's up next here on 98.7. Art, how are you?
4: I hate to say this, but we're not, I don't think we're going to be able to sign Huff.
2: No, anyway, I think they will. That, I think they will. for another day. Yeah. yeah.
4: I hope so. That's for another day. Um, look, I'm, I'm shocked that was a no-shot game. Thank God I was eliminating the survival pool. I never bet against the Jets, but if I was ever two, that was the game, and look what happens. So that's football. And then I turn on the Giants, and sure enough, saying they should have won. They should have won. So you just never know. Man, this, is, this is the thing now, okay? They obviously have a legit shot to be the playoffs. So I think they're going to make it. No. But you know what? It's all right. Um. That doesn't mean they're not going to make it. My question is is the red zone offense. I think, if anything, they have to improve. Now, who do you put the most blame on? Zach? The OC? Or, like, the players themselves? Like, they don't have the players to, to, to score when it when it gets started. Like, the offensive line, maybe? Because they're not, like, a power offensive line. You know, it's interesting. They can get 70 yards on a run, but when it's stored in a yard... You're sweating it out like you
2: have to throw the ball. So, wh- I mean, what do you put I, on I, Art, I'll give you an answer.
4: five in the red zone?
2: Art, I'll give you an answer, and I've got to let you go because I'm running out of time. I've got to throw it to baseball. It's simple answer, and, and I don't want to pile on, but I'm, look, he'll be the first to tell you. There's, let's put it this way. There's plays to be made in the red zone. The plays that are being called, the plays that are being executed, there are guys open, and the ball just needs to get to them. So, are you, are you does, so does that answer your question? You know, like I said, we, we did a good job praising the quarterback today and talking about all the steps that he's taken and how far he's come. But there's still plays to be made. And you know what? You hope that the maturation is going to be there for the rest of the season. And eventually those plays are going to be completed. But there's throws. If you watch the film, there's guys open. There's plays to be made. But it's got to change. It's got to be better. We're out of time because we got to go to baseball. But thanks to Joe and thanks to Harvey, thanks to you guys. Remember, no show tomorrow because of the Rangers. We're back Friday, right after TMKS at 6.30 for a little football Friday action. Dan Grasso saying so long, 98.7 ESPN.
1: Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI